Lord God, we bless you today. We thank you for this uh, beginning of the 40 days of Lent on this Ash Wednesday. Lord, we ask that you would come by your Holy Spirit, drawing our hearts and our minds, and Lord, all of our lives to you, Lord God. This is a holy season of sanctification, and so we invite your Spirit to come and to cleanse us, to draw us closer to the heart and to the flame of the Lord. So be with us today, Lord. We ask that you bless uh, our time as we turn to uh, this sermon, and in the next few moments, Lord, through the celebration of ashes, God, that we would reflect deeply upon our own sinfulness, our own need for salvation, our own need for guidance and help along this journey that we have embarked upon in following Jesus Christ. So we bless you today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Everyone said amen. Amen. So a seminary this large like Asbury, there's probably uh, 140 some odd denominations. Probably many of you here today are saying, what is going on with all of the black, right? Everyone's got black up here, and to be honest with you, I feel a little bit like Johnny Cash with the black on black, right? The, the man in black, and you know, there's that, that, that great scene in uh, the Cash movie, what some of our students reminded me of, where they said, man, you look like you're going to a funeral. Johnny Cash said, well, maybe I am. You know, today is a, what is Ash Wednesday? Maybe you're here and you're wondering, what is Ash Wednesday? What is Lent? What is this whole thing about? It's so somber, it almost feels like a funeral. And in many ways, Ash Wednesday is. It's a day where we remember our own sin, our own mortality, and it's, uh, you know, I have little children, and so there's a, there's a funny, you know, we watch all these uh, cartoon shows, and there's a movie called Bolt, and there's this little hamster in a round thing, and there's this one line in the movie that really sticks out to me. It says, today is a good day to die. And Ash Wednesday is a good day to die to our sin, to die to ourself, and to be reminded of that. And we enter into today, it begins, and it marks the beginning of a 40-day uh, season that began in the early church, that literally today you're celebrating and remembering with millions of Christians around the world in all different types of tradition that begin to embark in 40 days of following Jesus to the cross, 40 days of fasting, 40 days of repentance, 40 days where we begin with the marking of ashes, where we remember our own sin, our own mortality. So Pope Francis recently said this, a really powerful quote about Lent. He says, Lent comes providentially to reawaken us and to shake us from our lethargy. Lent is one of those seasons that shakes us out of our own uh, comfort zone. We kind of get in our own little groove. And even the danger of being at a Christian seminary is that, you know, we surround ourselves with Christians and we're all so good and, and we forget of our own need to just go back to the simplicity of the gospel and to refocus on Jesus. And so in many ways, Lent, the 40 days of Lent, is a time to get our eyes back on Jesus and to focus back on him. And so this, from the scriptures readings this morning, they're really powerful if you reflect on them. And so what I'm going to draw my sermon text from this morning is Psalm 51, which the Psalms guide us. And as you go through um, the season of Lent, the Psalms powerfully remind us of the Christian journey. Eugene Peterson 
says it this way about why the Psalms are so important. He says, more people have learned to pray by matriculating into the Psalms than any other way. For the Psalms were the prayer book of Israel, the prayer book of Jesus, for they are the prayer book of the church. So why are the Psalms so powerful? And why would we look at Psalm 51 today? Well, in many ways, uh, the Psalms are filled with poetry and prayer and their lyrics and songs. And as you entered in, you were given a free copy of uh, J.D. Walt's uh, new, new book on 40 days through the Psalms. Why? Because the Psalms speak to the very heart of our human nature. The songs and the poetry tap. There's something in them that rings true in our heart and our mind. And so today as we reflect on Psalm 51, the great Psalm of David, here in a few moments... I remember my own Christian journey. I've been a believer just a little over 20 years. And this is one of the first times, I I will never forget reading the Psalm 51 for the first time. I wept. I was a brand new Christian. I didn't even know what the Bible was. Somebody had handed me the Bible. And I remember opening up and reading Psalm 51 and weeping because those words rang true to my experience of being a sinner, looking for the grace of God, receiving God's grace, receiving God's healing and His cleansing and His sanctification. Those words rang true in my heart and my soul. And so today, I want to remind us all that the Lenten journey is about getting back to those foundations of the gospel. That in many ways, Psalm 51 is the gospel in a nutshell. We're reminded with the opening lines, Have mercy upon me, O God. And we're reminded of our own need for salvation. And it takes us through a journey. And in many ways, Psalm 51 parallels the journey of Lent. And so in your Bibles, there's the little, the little introductory section to the psalm. It says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him and after he had gone into Bathsheba. And so we know the Psalm 51, many of us know it well, that it's the psalm that, uh, where uh, David is reflecting on his own sinfulness, his own brokenness. But God doesn't just leave us there. There's the hope of salvation, there's a hope of cleansing, the hope of healing, and the hope of salvation. And so in this psalm, it contains the nutshell of the gospel that I want to call us back to this morning. And so the psalm is a spiritual journey in four parts. I want to share that with us in the next few moments. The first part of the psalm, David says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me through from my iniquity and cleanse me from all of my sin. So the first part of the spiritual journey is repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is turning away from our sin and turning to God. It is a journey in two parts. It begins with, have mercy upon me, O God. And it is reflected simply in the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox tradition. They call it the Jesus Prayer, which is a prayer that is prayed daily throughout the day. And it's a, it's a reminding of this, the words of the psalm, the psalmist David, where, where the prayer says, O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Have mercy upon me, a sinner. And in that prayer is encapsulated the gospel. 
One is have mercy upon me. What is repentance? One, we are repenting of our sin. We're turning from our sin. As I said in the opening, today's a good day to die. To die to our sin. To die to ourself. To examine our hearts. The Apostle Paul says, examine your hearts and see if there be any wicked way in you. And we are reminded throughout the scriptures that the Christian life is a spiritual life of reflection. Reflecting upon God's glory and upon our brokenness. And as we turn our eyes upon Jesus, we can become like him. That's the hope of the Christian message. But it begins with repentance. It begins with turning away from our own sinfulness. So why black? Why ashes on Ash Wednesday? One, we are reminded of our own mortality, our own sinfulness, and our own need for salvation. And it begins with the turning away. As we examine our hearts this morning, let us turn away from our sin. Let us bury our sin today. Let us die to the sins that so easily, those things, as the Scriptures tell us, that so easily beset us and hold us back. Let us examine our hearts this morning and say, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. And so it's a turning in two parts. We turn away, but we turn to. It's a hope in which we lift up our eyes unto salvation. We look unto the hills upon whence our salvation cometh. And it is, it is in the man, Jesus Christ, who came, who lived, and died for us. And the 40 days of Lent, we're following Jesus leading up into Holy Week. We're following Jesus to the cross. Ultimately, culminates with the resurrection Easter Sunday. But the 40 days are 40 days of prayer, fasting, seeking, wrestling with God. So the first part of the journey, the four parts of the movement begins with repentance. It's where we begin the journey. And then the second part of the psalm, he moves into what I call restoration. He prays this great prayer where he says, Do not take your spirit from me. Do not cast me away from your presence, but restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's not just a dark season. It's not just a dark day. But as we are reminded to die to our sins, as we repent, we are restored and made right. We are made whole. That salvation is restoration. Literally, in the original language that's being used here in the Psalms, it's be, it means to be restored back to the place in which you belong. And it is a deep work of the Holy Spirit. It's very powerful that the psalmist David mentions the Spirit uh, various times throughout this passage. That this is a work of the Holy Spirit. The, the restoration of the joy of our salvation is what the Holy Spirit does in us. That work of new creation. The scriptures tell us the washing, the renewing, and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is here today to wash us. The Spirit is here today to renew us and to restore in us. So two questions. What do you need to die to today? And two, what does God need to restore in you today? Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Many times as Christians, we go through the Christian life and it's so easy to hide our true emotions. It's so easy to just kind of hide behind smiles. But God is wanting to restore something in us that maybe is broken. Maybe there's brokenness in some of our hearts and our lives today. Maybe there's brokenness in some of our relationships. My encouragement to you this morning is that God is here today as our great restorer our Jehovah, our, our Savior, to be, to, to be 
Our Savior means to be saved, and He wants to save us and to restore us, and it is a deep work. God restores order in our heart and our lives. In many ways, this is a season where God can restore those things that are out of balance and out of place in our life. So let us reflect on that. What does God need to restore in me? The third part of the movement is we repent, we turn, we're restored back into God. But the third part of this this Lenten journey is a word that we all know well in this tradition, sanctification. We are sanctified. The psalmist prays multiple times. He begins by saying, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop. And then in a, in a climax of the passage in verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. There is the promise of sanctification this morning. That Lent is a season of sanctification. It's a season of being made holy. It's a season of being cleansed from our unrighteousness. And to turn back to God and hand those things over to God and say, Lord, create in me. As I said, this is the first passage of Scripture. As I reflect back on 20 years of walking with Jesus, there's many of you maybe have been walking with Christ longer. Maybe there's some of you who recently gave your life to the Lord and you're here at seminary answering fresh and anew the call of God. I remember at the age of 19, sitting on my bed, reading this psalm and verse 10, speaking to me as if God were in the room. And it was the prayer of my heart, saying, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Take not your spirit from me. Those words ring true. And my encouragement, my plea this morning is that those words ring true in our heart and our lives. That that be our simple prayer. If, if there's no other prayer that you pray today, that you pray the prayer, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. One of the riches of this tradition, the Wesleyan tradition, is the emphasis on holiness and cleansing and washing. Charles Wesley in the great hymn said, Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Change from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. What is sanctification? It is is the finishing of the new creation. It is God finishing what he begins in us. The Apostle Paul reminds us in the book of Philippians that he that began a good work in you will complete that work. And so my encouragement is that this Lent season is a season where God, the, 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 the one who works upon us, finishes that work. So my third question is, what does God need to make holy in you? What do you need to die to? What does God need to restore? And what does God need to make holy in you? And one of the profound things is it's a journey in four parts. It begins with this uh, repenting and turning back to God, a restoration of, uh, of the nature of God in us, restoring that joy of salvation, being made whole, holy, sanctified, set apart unto God for His service 
and for His purposes. Now, here's an interesting thing that emerges out of this text. The 40 days of Lent also parallel the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness. And a fascinating thing as you kind of study the gospel accounts is that it says the Spirit cast him into the wilderness. The Spirit actually cast him into a season to be tempted, to be tried, to be tested. And the Spirit moves us into these seasons of reflection where we fast, we pray, we draw closer to God. So I believe this is a Spirit-filled section. But here's, a, here's an interesting thing. I want to parallel from Psalm 51 and um, Jesus' own time in the wilderness. Jesus' time in the wilderness was a testing in which he came out of the wilderness and the power of the Holy Spirit and his earthly ministry really began after that season, after that 40 days of seeking, of prayer, of being tested. Jesus' ministry was born out of that. Now the fourth part of the uh, spiritual journey that we see in Psalm 51 is what I call mission. The psalmist says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And then in verse 13, Then I shall teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted unto you. What God begins in us, what starts with that prayer of repentance, what starts in the act of turning back to God and God restoring in us and cleansing us and making us whole, the deep work of the Holy Spirit, of what the Spirit does in us, is a preparation to be made holy in order to be sent back out on mission. Now, I'm a church planning guy, right? So I'm here as a church planner with the missions department, and and so I'm going to connect everything with mission. But this is a powerful paradigm for mission, is that mission begins in our heart. Mission begins with true, authentic repentance. One of the great challenges when we look out at the Western world and what's happening at the, at the decline of Christianity and, and so much of uh, uh, post-Christendom is that churches are trying to do mission without the gospel. You can't do mission without Jesus. And mission begins here. It begins in our heart and our life. It begins with our own repentance. It begins with our own life transformation. You can't lead people to water in which you yourself have not already drank from. And so as seminary students, my encouragement to you is, is that you can't tell people about a Jesus that you don't know. You can't tell people that a Jesus will come and change their life and their community and their tribes and their context without Jesus first transforming you. Can I get an amen? amen. What God wants to do this morning is to work in us. And so where, the fourth question, where is God calling you on mission? Mission begins now. Mission doesn't happen after seminary. But mission begins with the movement of what Christ does in our hearts. And as we, our lives transformed by the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ, as, as uh, Teresa, St. Teresa said, that we become the hands and the feet of Jesus. That we become literally, as Paul says, we are epistles of the gospel. That people see our very lives. And so this 
spiritual movement in four parts. Today's a day to search our own hearts and say, what do we need to repent of? What do we need to make right? What does the Lord need to restore in us? What does He need to make holy? What needs to be sanctified? Create in me a clean heart, O God. And so as we come forward here in a few moments to receive the ashes, you are enacting something that millions of Christians around the world are doing this very day. Millions of believers from all different traditions. There's this misconception that somehow Ash Wednesday or somehow this practice is something that only Roman Catholics do. Christians around the world are celebrating or are beginning the 40-day time period of Lent. The fast to pray. And what's beautiful about this season, it's not some legalism where you have to do what Winfield does or what Jessica does or what Dr. Tennant does to during this 40 days, it's a, it's a period where you search your own heart. You say, Lord, what do you need to do in me? What do I need to give up? What do I need to do? One of the powerful things is uh, the church that we planted in Nag said, we're taking everyone through Lent, and one of our uh, young adults who just recently uh, came to faith and gave his heart to Christ came to me one Sunday after we had just started Lent, and he said, you know, pastor, you know, do we just have to give stuff up, or can we could we start something, could we start a habit or something on, on Lent? And I, I realized the sermon was just all about giving up, and it must have been this, must have come across as some legalistic, oh, you have to give up all this stuff. And here this brand new Christian really profoundly got what this season is about. Are there things in our life that we need to do? Do you need to pray more? Do we need to uh, get in the scriptures? When's the last time we really really delved into the scriptures. And as C.S. Lewis said, that you can't always be defending the word. We have to feed on the word. And so this is a season to feed on the word. It's a season to stop from all of our hectic busyness. It's a season to unplug from our uh, iPhones and our Apple computers or whatever, you know, whatever things bind you. If there are things in your life that are holding you back from holiness and from walking close to the heart of God, give those up. It's a season to seek the face of Jesus. So my last encouragement to you is this season is a season to look unto the face of Jesus, fresh and new, and to let the Holy Spirit breathe into your heart and authentically ask the question, Lord, what do you need to do in me? So as we come forward for ashes in a few moments, what does God need to do in your life today? What do you need to repent of? What needs to be restored? What needs to be made holy? And literally in my office as I was praying, I had Thomas Akempis' little book of prayer and I opened it up and opened to this prayer just, just literally an hour ago. And I want, I want to close my message with this prayer. Now that we have begun the journey, we dare not go backward or give up. Let us move forward together. Jesus will be with you. For Jesus' sake, we have taken up the cross. For Jesus, let us persevere. For He will be our guide, our leader, our helper. He has already scouted out the road. Let us follow courageously, ready to die, bravely in struggle, never turning away from the cross. Lord, 
May we never turn away from the cross. We thank you today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.